this heart open wide from the depths from the heights I will These hands lifted high, hear my song, hear my cry. I will a sacrifice. I will a sacrifice. I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to you. Oh 
give him an offering this morning. How many are glad to be here?
worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you are keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are here touching every heart I worship you, I worship you, you are here, healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, turning lives around, I worship
Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Tasted the world, seen more than enough. Its promises fleeting. Of water and wine, I've emptied the cup. Found myself wanting, but there is a well that never runs dry. The water of life, the blood of the Cause all I know is everything I have means nothing. Jesus, if you're not my one thing, everything I need right now, all I need is you right now. I will seek the 
And with everything within me, I worship you, my God. As we were worshiping, I was thinking of a couple of verses, uh, one uh, that I didn't share in the first service, so I just thought of it while ago, and, and I wanted to just challenge you with it. In Psalms, it says, uh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with the voice of triumph. How many know we serve a God who's worthy of us lifting our voices in praise and a shout of praise because the God that we serve is a God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than we ever think or ask, Amen. So if you think God's worthy of that, would you clap your hands this morning? He's worthy of that. <clears throat> now, if you're going to shout, just make sure it's at a good spot in the sermon so I'll get all fired up and going and, and uh, don't freak me out and everything. So are you glad to be here today? Another verse that I was thinking about this morning was, um, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. When they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I love fellowship. I love getting together with a church body on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about the coffee and donuts or the, the chit-chat that happens in the foyer before or after the services. But when, when Christians get together and you get beyond the surface things and you just get to love on each other and see how their lives are going and, and just genuinely connect with the body of Christ. I love that. I need that. And hopefully you um, appreciate that as much as I do. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. God's place is a good place to be. Amen? Let me, let me begin uh, with a story. I was raised in church, and um, as a young boy, I remember going. My grandpa bought this building, and my uncle was the preacher. And so I was at church all the time. I had a key to the church, probably. My mom and them did. Uh, but I remember at a very early age going to church, and I was there all the time. Every time the door was open, I was in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever else went on, I was there. And I grew up in that. I sat next to my mom on a piano bench singing songs at an early age. And I remember when I finally got old enough to go to the youth group, I was pumped because I finally got to hang out with some peers my own age. And then we would start hanging out and doing activities together. And we'd start going to skating rinks together, other churches that were kind of in the same denomination. We would go skating and then you'd meet other kids from other youth groups and other girls. It was awesome as a young man. And then maybe, you know, ski trips, and then the, the church camp was my favorite. Going to church camp and getting to spend that many days away from my parents, that was awesome. But getting to, to learn about God and challenging my faith, and all, I just love those years of my life. But something happened later in my teens. I was hurt by church. Um, and I've shared that story before, so I won't go into detail, but somebody who meant well, Somebody who never in a million years would have said what they said, but they just said it the wrong way. How many of you know sometimes we can say something the wrong way? Sometimes we have the right heart, but we just handle it the wrong way, and we can cause damage. I was damaged. I was offended. I was hurt, and I allowed that hurt to get me in a spot where I started missing church more and more, and just like a car that will start missing before it quits, that was me. I was missing more and more, and I finally quit going. I went through a season where I didn't go to church at all. During that season... You know, it's amazing looking back because hindsight is twenty twenty. I remember going through a season where it was just in a dark place. I became skeptical of people. I became skeptical of Christians in church. Um, I, I promise you I wasn't growing spiritually. In fact, I was, it was picking up some habits that I already knew, according to God's word, were something that I didn't need to be doing. And the conviction that I had early on, the longer I went, the less convicted I I got. And I just remember that season in my life, and it just really wasn't a great season. It wasn't bad. 
but there was something missing. I had disengaged with the fellowship of the church. And I remember when we moved out here in 1995, a lot of you guys don't know that I was a cable guy before I was a preacher. And so before the movie Cable Guy was on and cool, I was the cable guy. So there you go. But in 95, I remember getting the offer to come out here for my company transfer. And my prayer, because I was kind of, I was nervous because I'd never been to the Panhandle of Texas. And um, I had just married Rachel. We weren't married long. And I'd promised her mom I would take care of her. And now I'm going to be moving her away from home. And I was a little intimidated and worried that it wasn't going to work out once I moved to Canyon. And so I remember having this prayer, you know, let's make a deal with God prayer. God, if you will take care of us, and if you'll help me make it in Canyon and not fall flat on my face, because all I thought I was just going to come out here and fail, God, if you'll take care of me, I'll get back into church. And I remember I just made that commitment, we'll get back into church. So Rachel was very faithful attending a little church called Grace Baptist Church back in Granite, Oklahoma, where my, my good friend Tim Montgomery still pastors faithfully for many years. And she went regularly, I went occasionally, but when we moved to Canyon, Texas, I remember saying, all right, I told God I would get back in there, and so I need to make good on my, my end of the deal. And so we, we moved into Canyon, and we got settled in, and I pulled out a, a phone book with yellow pages. You young guys, this is a paper product that's bound together, and you thumb through it, and there's phone numbers, and they're alphabetized, and yellow pages with ads, just so you didn't, if you, if you didn't know what that was. So I pulled out this phone book long before, hey, Google, hey, Siri, Alexa, all that stuff. So I pulled the phone book out, and I'm just looking for something that I recognize. And I looked in Canyon, Texas, and there was a church named Grace Baptist Church. And I thought, wow, what are the chances? There's another church with the same name. Yeah, I was kind of dumb in those days, but I thought, let's go check it out. So we went to church Sunday morning, this little church, Grace Baptist Church. There were about 18 people there. My first thought was, this church is not doing anything. It's dead. There's nobody here. But then I heard the preacher preach, and I was amazed because I felt like he was just communicating to me and me alone. And I felt like, man, this guy just, he knows how to communicate. And I was picking up things that he was throwing. And I was, for the first time in a long time, excited about hearing what God's word had to say. And I remember thinking, this is it. This is what I need. I need to get back in the church. This just feels right. And I remember it made such an impact on me that we went home and we had lunch. And I said, I want to go back there tonight. Another deal. Kids, back in the day, they had Sunday night church. And so it was a Sunday night service. And I decided to go back for a second time. And you know when you go fishing and you get the hook, and you know when you set the hook, you're like, I got them, they ain't getting off now. The hook for me was when Rachel and I got out of her car in the parking lot, and we're walking to the door of the church. They had people at the doors, much like we do. And a gentleman, I don't know if he came in today, Gary Carver, who I'd find out later was my mailman uh, on, on my route. But he saw Rachel and I coming up the parking lot, and he goes, well, there's old Shane and Rachel. And I just remember that was like, wow, he knows my name. They were intentional to get to know us. And I remember telling Rachel, I said, this is it. This is where we need to be. And we spent the next six years of my life there. And let me just tell you that going from being in church to taking a time out of church to going back to church, I did not realize that disengaging from fellowship was very bad for me, nor did I realize how amazing reengaging in fellowship could be. It was like drinking from a fire hydrant. And God did some amazing things in those years of my life. How about you? You ever gone through a season where you've walked away from church? Maybe you're here today for the first time and you ain't been to church in a while. Someone hurt you. Someone overlooked you. Someone left you out. Someone failed and you had them up on a pedestal and you just decided church is not for me. 
Or, or how about this? How many of us were affected with COVID-19? They helped us out with that, didn't they? We're asking everybody to just withdraw from gathering. I mean, don't, don't gather for a while. And so we even did that. And I had so many people contact me and say, Shane, I just miss church. I miss getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, I'm thankful for the technology. We were able to go online. But I can just tell you, there is no substitute for what we're experiencing right here and right now. This is a precious thing. Do you understand that? And so just as I realized at that season in my life that, uh, that, that the fellowship of the believers was essential to my spiritual growth, my spiritual health, and my ability to persevere in the faith, I needed the fellowship. I want to challenge you today as we're in this series called Reboot. As you're considering a, a new year and maybe you've kind of gotten out of some habits. We talked about prayer two weeks ago. We talked about reading the Bible last week. But I want you to consider this thing fellowship today. And for those of you that are saying, hey, Shane, this is not for me because I'm here all the time. Well, there's a word in there for you too. But just to take this opportunity to reboot, to take a fresh start when it comes to fellowship and realize just how essential it is to your life as well. So Acts chapter 2, David, I ask you to turn there. We're going to look at verse 42 and read a few verses. It says, all the believers, say all the believers. So all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, some of your versions will say to the doctrine, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the, the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. We have the gospel, and then the church is born on the day of Pentecost. And you talk about blow up overnight, it did. Here's your first example of a megachurch right there in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches a message and 3,000 people respond that day were added to the church. Can you say a lot of confusion? I'm sure that church was chaotic, right? That many people, and you're like, how do we facilitate whatever we're going to do with a church of that, that size? Well, they had this, this fellowship and they, meet it, they met regularly. They were all together and they had all things in common. Let me tell you, first off, when it comes to fellowship, God knows we need it. Think about to Genesis chapter 2. Right there in the garden, God created everything. And, and in the last that he creates man, and, and what's that famous, I use it every wedding I do, famous words that God speaks. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. See, God and his omniscience knew that we need relationships. God gives us that relationship to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for that, aren't you? But even in addition to that, he gives us this gift of fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ because he knows that we need relationships. We need fellowship. And so we see um, the fellowship born here in Acts chapter 2. So let's talk about what it is, why we need it, and how it's done so what is fellowship? Let me tell you first off what I think it's not. Fellowship is not the getting together before service and talking about the weather. It's not getting together and talking about politics or talking about your favorite team or your team blowing it again this week. It's, it's not about any of those things. That may be a prelude to worship. 
And it may be a social gathering. I'm not knocking it. I enjoy that. But good fellowship is when we get past the surface and start checking on and, and, and just checking on the body and, and being intentional with one another. Like, how are you doing? How's your work going? How's your family? Hey, how's that surgery thing that you had the other day? I mean, how are you doing? How many know that stuff, that's when it gets real. And if you've ever been to church and you've been a part of that, and you're like, man, I just... I see how the church surrounds us in difficult times, and I just love that. I need that. They understand what genuine fellowship is because you can go to church for years and enjoy the pre and the post visiting and not experience true, genuine fellowship. So fellowship is not just the social gathering. The, the, the word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. And that word is seen about 20 times in the New Testament. And what it means, it is translated several different times as this, Partnership. What is a partnership? There's more than one involved, right? Someone said fellowship means there's more than one fellow on the ship, all right? So we're in this partnership, and it's, it means participation. There's participation, and it says contribution, so we're contributing back and forth, and then there's this mutual sharing, so we all share the same foundation. We believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We believe that one day we're going to go home. We believe that we are foreigners in this world that we live right here and right now. So we have all these common things. So we share that in common, but it goes deeper than that when it comes to fellowship. To share what was in common, you know, literally these guys were selling property and taking care of needs as they came up. That's pretty intense when it comes to fellowship, isn't it? That's intense. I remember whenever I was <clears throat> early on, I was reading that passage, and I'm thinking, when's the pastor going to ask all of us to sell our property and bring it to the church so we can disperse it to those who had need? That's how I thought that passage was like, woo, I don't want to sell my place. But that's what they did. They said, there's a need, we're going to meet a need because we're in this together, and we care for and love each other. That was fellowship. And so it is a, a mutual contr contribution and sharing with one another. Let me just say, when you come to church on Sunday morning, that's good, that's fellowship, but that's not all there is to it because it's more of a dictatorial approach and I just a lecture, if you will, because I'm up here talking and there's not much feedback. Now, there's other classes going on and you'll get a little bit of that here and there, but Sunday morning, very little two-way communication um, works out because um, we don't have time for it. Uh, but when it's coming to fellowship and sharing, you know, each other, you got talents, you got gifts, you got knowledge, and to be able to share that back and forth, it doesn't happen very well on a Sunday morning, but Sunday morning's important to our fellowship. So fellowship, just to give you a definition, is sharing the life of Jesus Christ. Sharing the life of Jesus Christ. You know another phrase that's in the Bible multiple times in the New Testament? One another. Think about this for a second. The one another verses, <clears throat> there's, and this is just scratching the surface, we are to greet one another. Um, that verse, if you go on with it, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Anybody ready? I'll skip on that one, right? <clears throat> Love one another. Care for one another. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. Submit to one another in love. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Stir up one another to good deeds. Here's a difficult one. Difficult one. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Serve one another. Show hospitality to one another. And here's one of my favorite ones for all you competitors out there. Outdo one another in showing honor. Just a few one another verses. Here's a question. If, if that's what it is, it's sharing the life of Christ together. And you see this idea of one another. You can't do one another alone. 
We were not created to live our lives as followers of Christ in isolation. There are no lone rangers. You need it. If you say, Shane, I absolutely don't need it, you're weird. I'm just going to tell you right now, right? You were not created that way. We were created for a relationship, for fellowship. And so we need one another. And you can't love one another if you're not with one another. Are you following me? You can't care for one another. You can't spur one another onto good actions if you're not with one another. And so I say that to say this. A TV can't make it happen for you. There's a lot of great preachers on TV, and I listen to some of them, but let me just tell you, that is no substitute for fellowship of the body of Christ. Amen. So when it comes to fellowship, I mean, it's something that we do with one uh, another. It, there's no substitute for it. You can't get it with a, a computer. You can't get it with a TV. We need one another. It's special. It's essential, I believe, in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. And so we need, hopefully you hear me screaming this, for our Christian faith, we need one another. There are going to be times in your life <clears throat> that you've got the words of encouragement that I need to hear. And God has used some of you in this room to do just that. There are going to be times in life when I'm going to be giving you words of encouragement. I'm there to, to exhort, encourage, and build you up. And we need each other. It's a powerful thing when we truly get what is fellowship. Well, why is it needed? Why do we need it? <clears throat> so first off, we, we, we know what it is. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, to in, including the Lord's Supper, and they devoted themselves to prayer. This is all the believers met together and they shared everything that they had. That's what it is. The why, I would like to back up and give you just a, a jet a tour, if you will, a, a big eye view of the church, uh, the first church and what they endured and why fellowship was so important to them. In chapter 2, it says, after the spirit on Pentecost fell and they had the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, which was other languages, and everybody's hearing them in their own language, proclaiming the glory of God. It says, um, some people stood there amazed and perplexed, and they said, what can this mean? They asked each other. But, verse 13, others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. This represents the unbelievers, and this is the, the beginning of, or the, the seed of what might become persecution. That's how it always starts, isn't it? You Christians are narrow-minded. You Christians are bigots. You Christians... Hypocrites, we hear all that stuff, right? It's like a seed that began. And if you look at chapter 2 and then quickly, you know, Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved. They, they, they conform or they, they put each other together in a community. The believers form a, a community. And um, Peter heals another dude. And in chapter 4, it intensifies when it comes to the persecution. Um, these guys are talking about Christ. And in verse 17, it says, But to keep them from spreading their propaganda, the gospel, any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. Don't you talk about Jesus. We'll censor you. We'll block your account. Don't shout me down when you know I'm preaching truth. Isn't that real? I mean, we, we see it today, don't we? Don't you talk about Jesus. That's not welcome here. So it intensifies. And then you go to chapter 5. Uh, there's opposition even more so. And now they're starting to go get get jailed, thrown into jail because they're preaching the gospel. They, they get all this in common. They're living uh, with one another in fellowship. They believe in Christ. They're declaring the truth of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now they've landed themselves in jail. It says they arrested the apostles and they put them in a public jail. I love this. When they were released, they go back to the believers and they pray for courage. They needed the fellowship of believers 
to encourage them. You fast forward a little bit more to chapter 7. We're introduced to a man named Stephen. Stephen is arrested, and Stephen becomes the first Christian killed for just being a Christian. He's the martyr. It says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And with that, he died. And so began a great increase in the persecution of the first church. Chapter 8 says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Why is it needed? Because we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, are going to experience a little pushback in this world that we live in. The the views that you and I hold to, if we hold to biblical doctrinal views of who Jesus is, what he did, and Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. If we truly believe that, we're preaching a message that the world does not want to hear, and we're going to, and we should experience a little bit of pushback. And when we do, if we don't have one another to pray for us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, right, to care for us, to lift us up when we're down and all that, I couldn't imagine going through life without the fellowship of believers. We need each other. Because I got news for you. We, as followers of Christ, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But we're also citizens of the United States of America. And we're not home yet, right? We live in this world, but we're not really part of this world. But we conduct ourselves as citizens here while we're waiting for Jesus. And I, every day, I'm like, even so, Lord, come quickly. I look forward to the day that we're all home. No more sickness, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more death, no more sin. I look forward to it. Amen? But while I'm waiting, I'm walking it out on this earth. And I need people. And you do too. And he gave us each other for one another. We need it. We need fellowship. It's essential to our spiritual growth, our health, and our ability to persevere in faith. So look back at how it's done in chapter 2. Verse 46, it says, they worship together at the temple each day. Now before you start panicking, oh my, Shane's fixing to start having church every day. Mm -mm, That's just too much for, for me. Um, not that I'd have too much of God, but it's just too much for me. I'm telling you, one once a week is tough for me uh, to, to get everything prepared. But it says they went to the temple each day. Well, the temple was their church. That was where they gathered together to hear from the apostles. The apostles were declaring the truths of God. This is not the time for them to back and forth. The, 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 the apostles are just standing up and declaring the truth of God's word. That was their church. Say big. That, that was their big gathering. The, the temple, that's where everybody was there. Now, how many of you know when it's big, it's hard to get to know people? And that's been one of my complaints as the church has grown. Not that I'm complaining about what God's doing, but I love people, and I have a hard time keeping up as this church has grown. It's one of the hardest things. Like, I jokingly say I'm going to preach about tithing for six months, and I can get it down there to about 100 people where I can, where I can know everybody. Just playing. But I love people. And sometimes it's hard to get that fellowship which we so desperately need in the context of the greater group or the greater gathering. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day. And listen to this, they met in homes, say small. 
So, so see, their fellowship was both big and small. And this is why I said for those of you that said, I come all the time, this is really not for me. This is where um, you, you might listen in and see what God might have for you today because sometimes we become so comfortable with just coming to the big gathering and we call that fellowship. And that's why it's so easy for us to go from one church to another church because we're not connecting, we're not experiencing genuine fellowship. We may, we may experience a little socialism, not socialism, that's a bad word, social interaction. Hopefully we never experience that. <clears throat> we're close. But we experience a little social interaction with one another, and that's good. We experience a little worship and maybe some preaching, and hopefully it's encouraging to you, but we just can't on that level have the kind of fellowship that you and I all need. And so it's easy for us to say, yeah, I went, I tried, it's not for me. We're missing something very important in our lives, and it's genuine, authentic fellowship. When we get past the surface and people know that you care, you can tolerate a lot of things that you might not like about a local gathering at a church. I don't like the color of the chairs. Who cares about the chairs? I love the people. The band didn't hit it out of the park this week. I don't care. Turn the radio on way home if I want to. But I love the people. The preacher stunk it up again. Again. I don't care. He opened the word and he taught it. And I know he cares about me. You get what I'm, what I'm saying? Genuine, authentic fellowship. It can happen in a big gathering. But listen, in the, in the homes, it says they met in their homes. This is where you break it down. This is where you go beyond just the Sunday morning for us experience or gathering. And, and we say, all right, you know what? Let's break it down into a small group. And when we get into the small group, that's when life begins, man. That's when you get beyond the, the surface stuff and you run out of things to talk about. And so as a believer, you're thinking, so how's the marriage? How are you doing? How's work? How's, how's that surgery you had last week or whatever? It's where you just get beyond the surface and you start having genuine conversations with one another. I come away from those types of fellowship gatherings encouraged. I come back to, to my house after having breakfast or lunch with somebody and go, man, that was so good. I really enjoyed just visiting with them because it was deeper than the surface stuff. Are, are, you, are you hearing me today? See, we need... Fellowship, it is essential for us as followers of Christ. It is essential for our spiritual growth. It's there that I hear God's word in a big context. It's in the context of fellowship in the smaller groups where I'm challenged in my faith. That's where I first learned how as a husband I was supposed to treat my wife. Hey Shane, you shouldn't talk to her like that. Wow, that's the way I was raised. It's not cool. And it was in the context of the smaller group that I saw things modeled to me or I was challenged in, in the Bible study. We're back and forth and I grow exponentially in my faith. When I feel like I'm discouraged and my spiritual health is not too well, it's in that context when somebody says, what's going on? You, you, you look like you're, you're carrying a heavy load. What's happening right now? That's special. That's special when you have that in your life. The ability to persevere in your faith. Can I just be honest with you? I've been in this church almost 18 years now, pastoring, and um, I wanted to quit multiple times in the first few years. I did. I was so, so discouraged, so insecure, and I just was walking through this going, I don't, I've never pastored a church before. I've never preached a handful of times. I don't know what I'm doing. God, please send someone else. And I wanted to quit so many times. And I will, I, I don't know if I want to blame him or thank him, but Jeff Stocker back there, he'd get me and take me on a little motorcycle ride and try to kill me um, on a dirt bike and when I would get to the point where 
I had sweat rolling off my face and fear in my eyes. He'd say, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I'm kind of mad because you took me on a very dangerous trail here. What are you doing? He's like, you're not thinking about the church, are you? No. Good. How many times do we make those trips, Jeff? I'll, be, I'll forever be grateful for that. That's what I'm talking about. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. Lift each other up when we're down. We need to realize just how essential fellowship in the body of Christ is. And if you've ever tasted it, if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? How it's done, I think it's in a large context. It's in a small context. And God has gifted each one of us with certain things. And you may say, I don't know what I can bring to the table. Sometimes it's just a, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I want to encourage you. Hey, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. You know what I mean? Everybody has something to offer. Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. See, we talk the talk. When we say we have hope in Christ, we walk by faith, you know, and then we go through seasons of testing. The writer of Hebrews here says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Here's a dumb question for you. We already know the answer to it. Can God be trusted? Absolutely. God is the ultimate promise keeper. And he can be trusted. He says here, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And he goes on and says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. There it is. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, showing love to other people, and good works. I mean, just helping us walk this walk, living a life worthy of the calling that we've all been called to. Let us think of ways where we can encourage one another to do that. There's a challenge for you this week. Find somebody to encourage. And the, the, the Greek there is talking about spurring. So think of a horse or a, not a horse, that'd be cruel, but well, yeah, horse. And, and just a spur and you know how you spur them into action. That's the meaning there. Find ways to push people into acts of love, to motivate them and good works. That's what we do in the context of fellowship. And this one, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I did. As I said earlier, I went through that season where I neglected the fellowship of the believers. I neglected church. And I can tell you now with absolute, you know, 2020 hindsight that that was time wasted, time that I wish I could have back because it was a time that I didn't realize that I was in a very unhealthy spot, spiritually speaking, unplugged from the believers, the body of believers, discouraged, walking down a path that I'm ashamed of today. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near the day of his returning is drawing near it's closer today than it's ever been at any point in our life and so while we wait for the glorious appearing of Christ he's like let us think of ways where we can encourage one another we can push each other to good deeds good works encouraging one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I, I want to challenge you to re-engage. I want to challenge you, if you're here, you're like, man, church, I, COVID, you know, for so many people, it's nothing other than we couldn't gather for eight weeks. And when we were finally able to gather again, we just developed the habit of not going. 
I just got comfortable watching it on TV, Shane. I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, I, I don't blame you. I wish I could join you. It'd be kind of awkward, but, you know, the PJs watching it on TV, but somebody's got to get dressed to come up here and do this stuff, right? I mean, I, I get it. But we get into the habit or out of the habit. But I can't tell you how many people I heard from in that season that said, man, I miss. I didn't realize it. Sometimes you don't realize it until you can't. And so I, I don't know if you recognize this or if it's a big deal to your church. Is this something you do if you have time? Listen, we, we, we need it. It's essential to our lives as followers of Christ. And I hope you, you see that. And my hope would be in January as we're looking at rebooting our lives, getting a fresh start, that you will take a fresh look at just this thing called fellowship. And it's not just about being at church every time the doors are open. I mean, that's cool. That's awesome. But genuinely, you show up and you're a part of the body and you're intentional with other people in the body. When that happens, that's when church happens. And that's when lives are changed. And that's when we see wonderful things happen in God's house. And so I want to encourage you there. If you've been going to church for a while, but you've kind of pulled back on the gas. Maybe you were involved before in small groups or you're involved in a Sunday school class. Maybe you used to teach it. And you're in a season where you have been for a while where you're just kind of camping out and you're okay with that. I want to challenge you to recognize just how essential it is, not only for you, but that gift that God gave you to share with the other believers and and find a place to plug in. And there are plenty of opportunities here um, at the church. We just kicked back off our Tuesday now. We have a Friday morning. We'll have other ones that come up. Um, throughout the year but just listen to those and if you're like man those don't fit my schedule I need to start one come talk to us because I think life is uh, lived healthier in smaller context of small groups and we need each other and that's where that life happens amen and so for those of you that are worried about safety <clears throat> you know it seems like there's always stuff going on in the world today and we're wondering how do we stay safe in a world Today And so let me just give you these statistics. Maybe it'll help you. <clears throat> Avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of fatal accidents. Do not stay home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. Above all else, avoid hospitals. You will be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. And these are usually related to previous physical disorders. My sister texted me on Sunday last week and she said, what are you doing, brother? I'm like, well, I'm kind of busy. I had a death in the church. Because my sister texted me back, in church? No, somebody, family member in the church. <clears throat> Therefore, logic tells us that the safest place for you to be at any given point in time is at church. Bible study is safe too. The percentage of deaths during Bible study is even less. So church, you want to be safe in the world today? Get plugged in. Get plugged in. For safety's sake, attend church and read your Bible. It could save your life. Amen? Are you glad to be a part of fellowship? Hopefully you realize just how special it is. And, and you can say, like the psalmist, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Great things happen in the context of, of God's people and fellowship. Father, I thank you for making us a part of your family through the gospel.
Lord, we're included in that fellowship with you because of the gospel. And Lord, I thank you for each other. I thank you for all of those one another verses that remind us that we can't really genuinely have good fellowship apart from one another. And so I pray that you would just change our, our thinking when it comes to that, that we're not meant to be loners, we're not meant to isolate ourselves, but we are to get in there and engage with the body of Christ. I pray that we would see the value in it, and I pray that we would see how essential it is to our life personally. Father, I thank you for living water. I thank you for, oh Lord, just years of wonderful fellowship in this church. God, I pray that other people would just catch that as they consider a new year rebooting and taking a fresh look at what fellowship looks like for them and their families, getting involved, getting plugged in. Because I do believe, Father, that every person has been gifted somehow to be a part of the body. There are no idle body members. Lord, you've gifted each one of us. And so, Lord, help us to realize our part. Help us to realize where we belong and what we can contribute to the body of Christ. Father, help us to get past the, uh, the little petty excuses that keep us from engaging. I got hurt before, so I'll never do that again. I was involved in that before, and it went south, and so I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to kind of camp out. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not allow the bad conduct of someone else to keep us from doing something that is so, so essential to our own personal lives. To put it another way, Lord, that we would not judge a holy God based on someone else's inability to keep your commands. And Father, that we would engage in fellowship. And for those that are just, man, man, they're tired, they're discouraged, maybe they've had a rough patch, God, that you would encourage them to get back in there, that they have something to offer the body. And Father, that we would, um, in January, as we're still in the beginning of a new year, we would hit 2021 on purpose and with purpose, genuinely going beyond surface talk, and getting to the, the heart of the matter and just genuinely caring for one another, loving one another, praying for one another, building one another up, encouraging one another. Father, I thank you for the fellowship. I pray that you would just strengthen ours or strengthen our desire on a personal level to be a part and strengthen us on a corporate level as a church to be intentional with those who come through the doors on, the, on a weekly basis. God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for fellowship. God, I pray that you would just encourage us to take whatever step we need to take on a personal level, uh, Lord, to just take a step towards obedience in this area of our life. And Father, we humbly ask that you would just uh, guide us in this world that we live in that is so out of whack. Father, that you would strengthen us in this time. We truly need you. We need each other. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.